And to your point, you waste a lot of time, energy, and effort if you don't track, if you don't audit what you've done. So you can have your head down and feel like you're grinding, but if you're not tracking it and if you're not auditing it at the end of every quarter, I like to do it quarterly also, it's like you didn't work smarter. It wasn't more effective. It wasn't more efficient. You were just working. You're listening to the Coach Up Podcast, where coaches come to learn how to build their coaching businesses to six figures and beyond. I'm Kanisha Hart, your host. Here on the podcast, I get the privilege of interviewing coaches who've already made six and seven figures in their coaching business and are willing to pull back the veil and share with you the strategies, the habits, the techniques, and the tools they use to build to that level so you can do the same. Whether you are a new coach just starting out, or you've been in the business for a while, but you aren't seeing the growth and the revenue you desire, the Coach Up Podcast will give you insight on what you can do next and what you can do now to accelerate or revive growth in your business. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Coach Jewel Jones, who's in a space that is unique, and many people would not think that you would be able to have a coaching business and a virtual business in this space, yet she does and does extremely well. Jules is a former hairstylist, and she is a business coach who specifically works with hairstylists in helping them to transition their business and helping them to build their business, whether it's in the salon or outside of the salon. Jules brings definite insight into how she pivoted her business from a brick and mortar into a virtual and a digital service-based business. And it is something that because we are in the time when so much is virtual and so much is digital, you as a coach want to hear this episode so that you can understand the steps that you can go through to take your business, level it up and execute it well in the virtual and digital service space. Tune in, share this with a friend. Let's get into this amazing episode with Jules. Jules, I'm going to say thank you for being here on the Coach Up Podcast. I am super excited to talk to you today. Um, you are in a niche and an area that I have not had the privilege yet of investigating and learning more about. And so I'm very excited for my audience to hear about what you do, how you do it. Um, and so I won't hold back any longer. I'll just leave that little tantalizing bit right out there and ask you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. So my name is Jules. I am a business coach for beauty and wellness professionals. So if you're a service provider in either of those industries, I am definitely your girl. Um, I was in the beauty industry for 10 years. And before that, like in high school, I just knew I was not going to college so trade school was for me, for sure. I'm like, horrible test taker, hate studying. I'm going to trade school. Um, So I chose beauty, the beauty industry, like literally senior year of high school and enrolled and started like summer of graduating senior year of high school. And I've been on the trajectory. <laughs> yeah, in the beauty industry ever since. Never had a summer, by the way, after senior year. I just went straight into working. It was very 
it wasn't great, but it was good in the long run. Um, but yeah, so I was a hairstylist for 10 years. Then I opened a salon, um, started training stylist, and I even opened or created my own product line. And after COVID, of course, which is when everybody was like, what is my life about? That's when I decided, like, I actually love business more than I love doing hair and being in the hair world. So I became a business coach in 2020. Um, on my birthday, actually, I announced my retirement in May 2020. So now I'm a business coach. <laughs> and I'm also a mom of one child, a daughter. Oh, how lovely. How old? She's 11. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So does she work with you? Do you employ her? She did when I had a salon, which is one thing I do miss. She would like come and put the labels on the products and fold towels. I love that. Um, now, not so much. Hey, what's that about? I know. I don't know what, what to have her do. She can't check emails. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> she can post social media, can't she? No. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. All good. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you, I'm curious about the fact that you said you retired and announced your retirement, were mm-hmm. you already coaching and had um, income coming in? Did you sell your beauty salon and you lived off that for a little while? Did you go cold turkey or you were coaching and already getting paid and then you made a switch? Because that sounds like a faith step. Very much so. And I am... Uh, it's, it's so funny. One of my friends was like, you detach so easily. She was talking about like, this is just how I am in life. But I really do when I know I'm sure about certain things. But no, when COVID hit, I closed my salon for two months. So in Georgia, um, we did have to have that mandate. So I did close my salon for two months. And during that time, I'm thinking I'm going to like buy a case of wine and watch Netflix every day. That is just, I was so bored after like day four that I was like, I need to do something. I had never like created a virtual digital type of offer ever in my life. And I just started researching how you do that. Um, and I was just posting every day online, like, hey, stylists or salon owners, these are some things that you can do to keep revenue coming in during the time that we're closed. And it ended up being people wanting to be coached by me and like ask questions of what I'm doing to keep my revenue coming in. So I created like a stylist chat, like virtual call type of thing. Then I created a course. Um, then I started creating like ebooks and things like that. And then when we opened again, I had already only had two stylists left that could like keep their jobs that I was like, I really just want to phase out of the salon period and help people more on the business end. So that's how it started. Um, yeah. So you said you did research. So I'm going to pick apart what you just said because it's in, it's interesting to me. And I always think people are are curious. Maybe I'm just curious and I think everybody else thinks like me, <laughs> but I'm curious when people say, you know, I made that switch and this is what I did. Like, I always want to know what were those steps? What were those days like? So you said you started researching. Jules, where did you research? So I was more so researching... I had heard about coaching. It's so crazy. I heard about coaching, but I didn't know what that even meant. Like, 
I heard about consulting. I heard about coaching. I didn't know what I was trying to do. I just knew that I wanted to get on the phone with people and I wanted to answer their questions and give them some insight on what I was doing to keep my business afloat. So the first thing I researched is um, like platforms to do virtual calls. I had no idea what the heck Zoom was until 2020. I'm sure none of us did, (laughs) but I ended up learning about Zoom. Um, I had to research how do you offer something virtually. So then I had to learn about like platforms like Podia and Squarespace and like the platforms that actually allow you to sell digital products. So those were the two things that I had to um, hone in on was Podia, Zoom, Squarespace, Um, And I dive deep into Canva because I had to create my slide decks and things like that. So Canva was like, I was on Canva all day, all night trying to create things. And um, Canva was how I uh, created my very first course. And I delivered it on Squarespace. And I did my one-on-one calls on Zoom. You created your course on Canva? Mm -hmm. Jules, I didn't know this. I didn't know that you could create a course on Canva. Yes. Well, I created the slide deck on Canva. Now you actually can create your slide deck and record it, like present it on Canva and then download it as an MP4. So now I do everything on Canva before I had to use Canva and then like another editing software. Love it. And then now where do you still host the course? Is it still Squarespace? No, I'm hosting on Podia now. I love Podia. Podia is like, it's so user-friendly. And like my tagline is, you know, building your business in a practical way that you can sustain it. So I'm not for like all of those platforms that just make it a lot of setup and like a lot of backend things. Podia is one of those very user-friendly websites where you actually can have your website on there. That's where my website is now. But you can sell your digital products, your coaching products now. You can have people book your Zoom calls with you. And then you can sell full-on courses. So Podia is where it's at for me. Amazing. I I don't know if I have heard of Podia. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. But to hear you say you can sell your digital products there, you can do your calls, you can schedule things there, you can host your website. We love it Even- all- Yeah, and not necessarily like schedule because you'll, of course, integrate Zoom, but just having the platform for people to read about it, purchase it, and then click the Zoom to instead of like using Zapier to do the thing. But the other thing that's huge, that reason why I get my clients on Podia is because they do have email marketing. And it's not the most robust thing, but it's definitely like very helpful when you're selling a course and you're trying to nurture the people who bought it. Their email marketing is is pretty good. Okay. All right. So I'm going to come back to what you said about nurturing your audience because I'm curious about how you do that because I think that's a area that a lot of people have a question on, especially when building their business. But um, did you just go on Google? Did you go on YouTube when you were learning this? Did you do Udemy? Did you talk to people? How did you figure out where to even start? No, it was a lot of like, this is me frantically typing, by the way, whenever I do this, (laughs) it was a lot of like, how do you, um, how do you offer virtual courses How do you offer? Like it was literally, I remember one girl was like, you guys are paying me to 
um, whatever, whatever, but all I'm doing is Googling it. And when she said that, I was like, I need to be doing that instead of like, and here's my thing. I'm not totally against paying someone to teach me, but first, I think people need to do their own due diligence and research it for themselves just to see like what the general and free information is out there. Um, so I heard a girl say that, um, during COVID. And that's when I just started literally typing all the questions that I would pay someone to ask them. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, because to your point, right, information is free and abundant. Thank God. Um, what we pay people for is when we, we don't want to invest the time to do the research, right? Like that's why coaches exist because either in your business, you're going to spend time or you're going to spend money. Combination of but if you want to shorten your time, you spend more money. If you're fine with spending more time, then you'll save more money. So either way, so yeah. that's, that's very true. You said you did stylish chats. What is that? How are you doing that? Uh, so it is, it was where they would like type on the intake form, they would type their five questions that they have for me. A lot of them was like, how did you start your own product line? How are you selling products online? How are you you know, reaching six figures because I was reaching six figures at that time too. And I was just posting about how I was doing it generally. So it was a lot of general questions like that. Um, they were able to book, ask those questions. And then I came in and asked my own questions. Like, do you have email marketing? Are you, you know, charging for deposits? How are you handling cancellations? Like I would then come in and kind of fill the gaps with what they didn't ask. So it was very much like us just chatting but it was consulting also um, and whatever they needed help with and whatever I saw that they needed that they just didn't know. And then back then, um, I I had the tagline of like the stylist you didn't know you had. So back then people were looking at me as like their stylist, a sister in this industry who is been there, done that, and is successful that I can actually talk to on a very casual, like comfortable, like this. You, you keep it casual like this, right? Um, which lets down a lot of guards because if you come in a little bit too buttoned up, um, I find that people are anxious, overwhelmed, nervous, and they don't really get out all the questions that they truly do have, their fears and all of those types of things. Yeah, because they, even though they know they're coming for help, people still, I, I think people still don't want to seem like they just don't know some of the basics. Mm -hmm. right and so then they won't ask the questions that they really really need answers to mm -hmm. uh, the, the flip side of that is I hate when I when someone like books a call with me and this is rare but I hate when someone books a call with me and they ask questions and every time I give the answer they're like I know I know I'm like what am I here for <laughs> if you know this <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> I saw a podcast and this guy was like, I hate being interviewed by hosts that say I know because every time you say I know, you are stealing new information for your viewers to like get. Because after you say I know, I'm not going in any further. Mm. If you know, you know. So Okay. Then you can start about that. <laughs> you can do your own solo episode on your podcast and explain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm also curious about your ebooks. You said ebooks with an S. Mm -hmm. How many did you write, Jules? 
I'm going to lie because I don't know. <laughs> I am one of those people. So I am one of those people that I told you I don't like to study. What I do is I research and then I write it in a blog style so that I can retain the information. So I, at one time I was writing for a hair magazine because they needed someone to like keep the conversation going about porosity and healthy hair care and products and things like that. So every time I learned about product formulations and things, in order for me to remember it, I had to write it in my own words and kind of storytell. So the reason why I say I'm going to lie is because I've created a lot of eBooks, but it was for me though. It wasn't really for people, but I knew that they needed it. It was for me to be able to retain the information of the elements of hair and how to properly, you know, utilize certain products and tools and things like that. Um, but one of the email, one of the eBooks that did really well was 10 ways to impress your clients. So that ebook I had for a long time and um, it was a lot of good information in there. And honestly, that ebook helped me create my overall course for uh, my business course for beauty pros. Love it. Is it, you said did, so you've since taken it down? I did, but I have it back up. I am, you know, I'm telling you all the good stuff. I'm one of those people that I create a lot of things and then I make it available. And then I take it down and my friends are like, so you're just sitting on money, which is something I would tell my clients. And I do. So I took it down for a while because mm -hmm. I was trying to like, I don't know. I didn't know if I wanted to keep on offering it. Um, but the people who did take that course and the people who kept asking about it were like, you need to offer it again. So it is back up. It's called Ease and it's for it was created for beauty professionals. But truly, if you are a service provider, it's the business around you being a service provider and building up a business and sustaining it, all of it. Jules, what was the motivation for taking it down? You know, that's one of those sporadic moves. I don't know if you're, you're, you or your viewers can relate, but like in entrepreneurship, you are... A part of it is you just going along with the journey and you feeling for what feels right. And then another part is you actually having good instincts with the moves to make. Sometimes in my journey, I sporadically make decisions because I feel like nothing else is moving in the way that I want it to. So I just kind of have to like shake things up. I know God's like, okay, relax. But I just have to like <laughs> shake things up. <laughs> so I took it down and I don't, I honestly don't know if I took it down just to hear if people were going to ask for it or if I took it down because I wanted to recreate it and represent it. But um, the end result is me bringing it back and knowing that it didn't need any tweaks. So it is how exactly how I created it from the beginning. And what's it called again? Ease. Ease. Okay. You know, I respect and admire that. The reason is because, as you said, you have friends who are saying, Jules, you're sitting on money. But we do we do have to learn to listen to our intuition. And and I was just listening to I was just listening to a sermon the other day. And um the pastor said, you know, God told him to do something and he did it. But he said, if I didn't, if I had done it, because I thought I heard that from God, and I did this thing and it what I was expecting didn't show up, at least I had still done what I thought. I was supposed to do 
but don't be on the side of I just didn't do it. That's yeah. So yeah. I admire that that you <laughs> said this is this is what I'm feeling like doing. And yeah, I think more people should follow that because you can nothing's permanent except death. Nothing's permanent. Yeah. That went really, really dark. Oh my bad. <laughs> No, I'm cool with it, but it's funny. I, you know, I sometimes go in extremes. I'm like, if you're not dying, it's going to be okay. So, I love everything it. Everything can change. And, mm-hmm. you know, we true. need to look at it that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, how long did it take you to create your first, as you started, I love your, yes, I love your, your very fast typing. How long did it take from the time you started researching until the time you created your first product. What was that? So again, I was only closed for two months and I believe my product was out for a full month. I think it took me a month. I nice. think it took me a couple of, but here's my here's my thing. When did it happen? Cause I feel like it was hot outside. Didn't the pandemic happen like in uh, warmer months? In March. Okay, because my thing my thing is I always end up doing deep work during the time that people are like living their lives. Like senior year of high school, everybody's like, why are you going to school now? It's summertime. I missed every day party, like every celebration. Um, And during the pandemic, it's like everybody is really trying to like relax because it's kind of forced upon you to do so. And I'm more so like stuck in the house on the laptop. I did the same thing when I was opening my first salon suite. It was the summertime and I was like stuck in the house on the laptop making my business plan for, I think it took me three weeks to make it. I always end up doing that, but I feel like, um, so to answer your question, I think it took me three to four weeks and then I was promoting it for a full month before I opened my salon again. Okay. Very cool. Okay. All right. Um, and then how did you know what to do to tell people to make money, to tell stylists what to, to do to make money during the pandemic? You had a product line, but what other advice were you giving them that you knew? Um, advice, like if you don't sell your products online, you can make care packages for your clients. You can uh, create their hair formula. Like if your clients get hair color, you can make their formula in a bottle and just leave the developer on the side and just make a care package for your clients and schedule the time that they'll come pick it up at the salon because we weren't supposed to work in the salon, but you can make like little transactions like that. So, um, it was that it was also like, we have a lot of clients at home doing their hair for the first time by themselves get on a call with them and walk them through their wash day, walk them through how they're going to do their wash and go, like do the actual hair appointment virtually, basically. So it was things like that. Um, And when you ask like, how did I even come about that? I am a, I have a hustler mentality, but not like in the way of like, you know how I live in Atlanta and we're known for like finessing. Do you you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I've not heard this. Please continue. Okay. So <laughs> people in Atlanta are going to kill me. We're known for like finessing. We're like black Mecca or whatever. Everyone out here is an entrepreneur. 
But when you really dive deep into what people are doing and if they have a strategy, if they truly have a plan, people are just either pretending or they're just winging it. They don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I say finesse, it's like being an opportunist, but in a negative way, like kind of manipulating certain situations. Like that's what a lot of people are known here um, in Atlanta for. But for me, it was more like if I need something, which a lot of my life has been money, I need this, then I need to figure out a way in my natural ability and passion and interest to then come up with that. So like back when Craigslist was a thing, um, I used to wake up really early in the morning to be the first post on Craigslist. And I would post about like, if you want your weave done today, or if you want braids done today, then hit me up or whatever. Working out of my stepmom's like basement, it was really sketchy. I don't know why people came because I would never do that. <laughs> but I was working out of my stepmom's basement. Um, but I've had the hustle mentality for so long. In middle school, I braided everybody's hair on the block. Everyone in my school knew that I could braid. So it was just an easy thing to do. Um, So when the pandemic hit, I was like, I know how to make money. So let me, you know, put my mind to it and and hustle up some type of concoction to do so. I absolutely love it. Because you had just your, you were a stylist for 10 years. And then how long did you have your salon? Three years. Three years. Okay. So Jules, you had to be able to close people. I mean, you had to close the middle schoolers to give you some money. I'm hoping they were paying you when you yeah. braided oh. their hair, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> you had to close people in order to become your clients. I'm sure you brought some clients with you as a stylist, but then to have new clients. You, so you obviously have some closing skill because I think mm-hmm. one thing that I want to ask you about people struggle with is like you talked about, you were posting online, you were sharing now in the midst of the start of the pandemic, what you're doing to make money online but how people learn how to convert my post to actual sales is a struggle for a lot. Mm. I appreciate you talking about people finessing it and just sort of sketching it. So <laughs> what are people doing? So can you talk about how you how you did that or how you do that? How I close? Yeah, how you close. I mean, I live in Atlanta. I know what not to do. I know that people don't like when you're trying to sell to them. People like when you're trying to solve their problem or when you are trying to relate to them in some type of way, when you're trying to give them a solution. I hate fast talkers. I hate like when people are just trying to sell, sell, sell and or like when they're trying to come around an angle. If you, if you talk to me and it seems like you're beating around the bush, I'm the type of person that'd be like, what do you have to ask me? Because I don't have time for this. OK, just what are you selling? Yes or no? Fair enough. Um, So I honestly think being able to close, and that's a really good question because my I let my friend um, watch one of my discovery um, calls because she had questions about like closing herself when she's on her discovery calls, and she was like, one of the things I notice is you just listen. And then you kind of like recreate what their issues are, but with a little bit of the solution in it. Not a lot because hire me. Hello. This was a free call, but like just a little bit. (laughs) Um, But whenever I'm trying to like close, it's more so I'm trying to understand what your problem is so that I can then give you the solution, but let you know that 
this is your problem. So if you want the solution, you can have it. But if you don't, then it's fine. And even when I was on Craigslist, the solution was people who wait the last minute to book their hair appointments. If you wait till the last minute to book your hair appointments, you're on Craigslist like, I need to find somebody to do, you know? That is so Those true. are my people. That's my target audience. My target audience isn't the person who books their hair appointment a month before. So even with that, it seems salesy, but there's an angle to it where I'm literally targeting a specific person. That's so funny you say that. I don't know how many times I have been on, was on Craigslist at some point and have been on Google trying to find the last minute hairstylist. Mm -hmm. You do know that, I know you've left the industry, but finding a new hairstylist is like finding a new church. Those are two things that when you move to a new city, so hard. Yeah. Do you do do a, um, do you do like a referral list out of your business? I did when I retired. When I retired, because listen, I announced it on my birthday and I, okay, well, let me back up. Before I announced it, because I know it sounds like, Jules, you just dropped your clients. It wasn't like that. So I came back from COVID. We kept our salons open for months. Um, I had to have my second wrist surgery, which was what really prompted the retirement because I... Yeah, my my doctor was like, if you keep on working, you do know that you're probably going to have to have another surgery. So this is it's not a permanent solution. Um, so I had to schedule my second wrist surgery and um, I schedule my clients two months at a time, like two month frequencies, which is something that I, I preach that service providers need to do instead of keeping their whole calendar open for the year. But um, so I waited until I was about to open the second uh, two months. And I went ahead and booked my surgery. And of course, they're like, we don't know how long recovery is going to be, but it may be a month or two. So I had then told my clients, like, I will be out of the salon until I let you know when I come back. I got them all like acclimated with my other stylist. They got to know her, got comfortable with her while I was still there. Um, And so it was months of me recovering from my wrist surgery. And honestly, I had recovered at like four weeks, but I was like, I can't go back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to I'll play this as long as I can <laughs> but I was like I was really milking it because again it wasn't like I was sitting still I was going to like these business seminars I had hired a um an operations coach type of thing um I was like really working in figuring out my own coaching business um, to see if I can really make a lot of money with it or, you know, supplement the money that I was making before. So there was months in between me actually announcing my retirement that I was prepping for it and that I was giving my clients away essentially. And I even, that stylist that that I had, um, she had already been with me for three years. So I was even grooming her to open her own place. So it was like, this was divine time for me to be able to get the stylist in her salon suite, make sure she's good, give her all of my clients and create a referral list for everybody else and then retire. But the day that I retired, I I created a beautifully well-written email. I mean, it was beautiful. And at the end, it was like, I love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting me. And I really just ask that if you are not just giving well wishes, please refrain from responding to this email. 
my phone blew up so much that I had to give my boyfriend at the time my phone for the rest of the week because people were like, how could you? You've been my stylist for this long. Like, I don't trust anybody else. It was it was a little extreme and intense. So to your point of like it being mm. like finding a new church, I understand because I was getting those emails and text messages for months after I retired. Oh my goodness. It just speaks to how great you obviously were, right? And not only just with hair, but obviously with your clients because people can be great with hair and be interesting in their delivery of customer mm. service and people will not miss them. But that speaks very highly of you. Also, that's that's a lot. I got a new number for that. Seriously. Reason. I did. I got a new phone and a new number. And I got a new email address. Wow, Jules. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's it sounds like you know, when Magic retired or Michael retired, that's what it sounds like. Like people just devastated. Yeah. I mean, I, at that point I had done a lot of like, um, like community, like I used to have events at my salon, um, mm -hmm. for just the general public, but also for my clients, we had like myths and mimosas where we would bust like hair myths and like stuff like that. But mm -hmm. then also I had been around in the same area for 10 years that I was known and my work was known that people were just like, how dare you like I'm laughing now but then I was just like y'all are ruining my birthday I'm like worried about my birthday <laughs> no we're not yeah. making this a happy occasion <laughs> okay but again you followed your intuition and your instinct mm -hmm. because there was another path so I love what you said about you were during this recovery time when your wrist just would not allow you to go back to work <laughs> You said you were doing business seminars and you hired an operations coach. I'm curious what else were you doing? Because it sounds like you were making good use of your time. Mm -hmm. I was yeah, I was creating um, master classes. I was doing live virtual uh, workshops. So I help you like create your email marketing or I help you understand your finances as a service provider. It was a lot of live things. Um, and also, oh my God, I forgot. I created my first eight-week boot camp for stylists. It was a business boot camp for eight weeks. I think like 15 people joined. It was so cool. And I presented every lesson live on Wednesday nights. Um, and so I, I do think that that is what really gained the momentum because I used to get on calls with stylists at that time and they would cry like, because they just didn't understand how to get their business back into motion after COVID. They were like empty for the first time in their entire career. Like their salon was empty. Um, they was trying to run like mad discounts just to get people through the door. And I remember, because I don't have that now, people don't get on the calls emotional, but I remember back then people would get on the calls and I can ask them like, so how do you feel about your business? And it's like waterworks because they were that overwhelmed with what COVID did to their business. So mm -hmm. um, I don't even remember your question. I just remember that part. Oh, what was I doing? Okay. Yeah, so so yes. So I did a whole bunch of one-off calls because I was trying to um, figure out what offer I wanted to do. And when I realized that people were just emotional and kind of needed to reframe their mindset and get the momentum, then I created the eight-week boot camp. 
I still to this day have VIP clients from that eight week boot camp, um, recurring clients, people that refer other stylists, other beauty pros, other like wellness professionals to me from that one boot camp. So yeah, I was doing things like that. That's amazing. You made an impact. What did you tell people to do to get their clients back in the door after COVID? Are you a business owner who believes in taking advantage on the ground level of new opportunities and you like to get a great return on your money at a reasonable price for exponential returns? Then I want to encourage you to reach out to me, Kanisha Hart, host of the Coach Up Podcast, to advertise your business on the Coach Up Podcast. As a growing audience for the Coach Up Podcast, you will have an opportunity to get your business advertised regularly every single week at very reasonable rates as this is an introductory rate offer only. So if you're interested in having your business sent out over the next six to 12 months, as this podcast grows and audience grows exponentially for extremely reasonable rates, reach out to me today so your business can get the exposure that you want on the Coach Up Podcast. It's a lot of intentional marketing. And my thing is being intentional about everything. So I'm not the type of person that's just like, let's just create a whole bunch of emails or let's just post every single day. It's like, what are we posting? Why? What's our financial focus? How can we break that down to tactics? And then what is the content focus? Because if you're trying to get new clients, we really need to be posting things about, you know, your new client that just came in last week the regimen you gave her, the journey you want her to go on, the questions that she's asked you. If you're more so trying to get your old clients back, hopefully you have a booking app or a booking site that gave you email marketing as a feature. And um, I was just trying to get them to create a campaign that would slowly lure the existing clients back in because you do have their contact in addition to um, sprucing up a lot of different things, your client journey, your salon experience, like with the atmosphere of your salon, it I didn't notice, but it was a lot of little things that stylists were missing, even to their personality and like how they give off energy. It was a lot of little things that had people not booking or had people not referring. And I didn't know that until I was getting on these one-on-one calls with people. So then um, I started incorporating that into my courses and master classes and things like that. But it's a lot of nuances, but it has a lot to do with intention. And because it is person to person, it has a lot to do with inner work and like, let's get you together first. Cause I wouldn't even book you. Okay. I'm, I'm really on the calls telling these people like your energy is just like, but then the energy would come from them being depressed or overwhelmed or like, it's not even just them, you know, it's what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of coaching them through how, unfortunately you can't show that in a business like being a beauty professional because we're so personal with people. So things like that. Uh, I was going to ask, what were some of those nuances that you were picking up on? So one of them was the one that you just mentioned. Any other ones that you saw repetitively in in clients? The whole, um, I've been told that I'm too blunt. It, unfortunately, um, a lot of my clients, not 
as a coach, but as a hairstylist, a lot of my clients have had horrible salon experiences with stylists that were just nasty or just like unprofessional or just not welcoming, not warm. And so when they come to me, I used to get this all the time, their first appointment, they're on edge. They're not as pleasant. They're like, eh, trying to fill me out. I write that out. Like, I'm okay with that because I know you're coming from traumatic experiences. So one of the biggest things that I kept on hearing from the stylist was being told that they were too blunt or that they weren't very like friendly or things like that. And they're like, girl, I don't have to be friendly. I'm doing your hair, but you do though. So getting, and I was working with a lot of black women, getting a lot of black women who have the ego of being their own boss, their ego of being good at what they do to understand that a lot of why you're not booked is how you're coming off, not your skill was, that was a feat in itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would imagine that takes some skill. Yes, 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 yes. We, they're called blind spots for a reason. Mm-hmm. And not see them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that is really cool. I, your creativity, as you talked about your hustler, but that requires creativity of all of the things that you were doing. I so respect boot camp, webinars, virtual calls, all of this stuff. Just as you're figuring out like the direction that you want to go. And you um you talked about the email portion for your clients that you were working on them with, which brought me back to a question I did want to ask earlier about nurturing your audience, Jewel. So you talked about, you know, how do you nurture your audience? And I don't think a lot of people understand how to do that. Jules, how do people do that? Well, first, and I'm probably going to forget your question. So I'm just telling you this now. <laughs> okay. You telling me that what I do is creative. I think I needed to hear that. I've always, always said, I wish I was a creative person. I just, I don't think I am. I feel like people who are creative, maybe I'm thinking about it in like an artsy type of way, but like, I feel like they're just so, they're always having so much fun just being because they're creative. Like, I remember my friend told me that she has like theme songs in her head all day. And I'm like, I wish I had that. I don't have that. I have random conversations. I wish I woke up and there was a song playing. And she told me that that actually happens to her. And I'm like, I envy you. Anyway, um, I needed to hear that because I don't think of creativity when I think of business. And I really should think that way because I, I'd be making some stuff work. <laughs> it's I think you already, because you already are, you don't have to think of yourself that way. Just be you. You are creative. This is, this is true. This is why I'm here. See, I told you it, it, it had to be timing. Um, okay. Nurturing what your was your question? Nurturing okay. Your thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I got you. Um, nurturing looks like, I'll tell you first what people do. They post a lot of stuff on um, social media to attract new people um, but they never talk about the journey of what happened to that client after they came in the first time. It's just a lot of like before and afters and, oh my God, this transformation and things like that. But what I've learned is that number one, 
you have to have a booking site that has email marketing and a robust email marketing and not where they're like penny pinching, like you can only send out 10 emails a month. Not like that. But you have to have that because the second someone becomes a client, you need to be in their inbox at the very least twice a month. I think a lot of um, service providers, because we don't think about sales in that way, we think that emailing our clients is like a nuance, but it's the purpose of them being on our email list is so that we can stay top of mind so that we can remind them weddings coming up, graduations coming up. Oh, it's Easter. It's Christmas. It's like you just nurtured the fact that you want them to come back in and maintain whatever that you've created. Um, and then again, when it comes to social media, people are, I, I was just telling my client this, whenever you are creating like reels, for example, you are trying to target new people every single time because those reels are going to go on the explore page, but you never post on your stories, but your stories are to nurture the people who already follow you. So if you never nurture the people who already follow you, but you're always posting something new and exciting and fun and trendy sounds, it's like, you're just going to continue to attract new people that may never convert. And you're not nurturing the people who are ready to spend the money. So it's, it's thing it's little things like that stories for one i've sold so many things in my stories in my dms i tell people all the time stop putting no dms because if you're not a freaking millionaire you can afford to talk to me in the dms like stop relax um and it, it's always the stylist or like the beauty professionals or like the massage therapists that are not booked that are telling you not to dm that's automatically making you seem like you're not welcoming you're not inviting you're not you know, all those things. Um, it comes in the form of that. And then it also comes in the form of your client journey. So whenever I say that, it's like you have this robust new service package for people that have never sat in your chair. Once they come in, they're getting a consultation, they're getting a regimen, they're getting all these things. But then after that, you have to continue the journey of services. Like whatever their goals are, like let's say you want your hair to be more hydrated. I've had stylists that are like, all right, come back in two months for your cut. But if you want your hair to be more hydrated, I actually need to see you in a week or two so that we can get your hydration level where it needs to be. Telling someone to come back in a month or two is shooting yourself in the foot because you're not a part of their journey. They're just coming to you like whenever. So it's it's the journey. It's the type of services that you have. It's how you post on social media. And it is if you're actually emailing the people who are already on your list. Oh, okay. You talked about a few things. It's really interesting. What I am so enjoying about this conversation is the veil that's being pulled back into the mindset of the stylist world. Again, mm -hmm. as I said at the beginning, one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you. Also, just because you're just like a chill, cool person. But on the business side, like as a, as a consumer who gets her hair done, who doesn't believe, if God forbid, I have to pay to do my, I have to do my own hair. I believe in supporting the business of my stylist. Please do my hair so I don't have to. It's very interesting to hear the the business side of it because you just said something, when you were talking about a package, Jules, I was thinking, why would I need a package? I just come back to see my stylist when I'm getting my hair done. But, so I'm going to ask for a little bit of detail here. How, how do you, what does that look like? Like what are different packages and how should stylists be thinking about this? So 
packages or bundles are when you put services that should go together in order for you to give a promised transformation or a promised end result or whatever. So for instance, if you're a new client, I have never done your hair before, but you want a silk press, I would never just give you a silk press. I would give you a series of treatments to make sure the integrity of your hair is intact after we put this heat on, because I don't know your hair um, and I don't know what you're going to do with it at home. I would need to consult with you. I would need to ask certain questions. Um, and I would make sure that I am the one who is shampooing the silk press out in two weeks and you're not, because it really does help with like you not getting the heat damage. There's a lot of different components as to how heat damage even comes about. But one of the things is like going, I don't know, three weeks and then cleansing your hair without any type of treatment or without the right shampoos that day that you don't do the right things, it's like you have heat damage like longer and longer and longer. When I could have caught it the second I wet your hair and I could have done a protein treatment or a reconstructive treatment or whatever, and we could have reverted that the same day. Um, that's just an example of like a journey. Because if if you come to me, you're like, I'm probably not going to be back. It's my birthday. I just want my, my hair pressed out. You're already not my ideal client because I want to walk with you through this journey to make sure your hair stays healthy. But a new client package, I think, is vital for service providers because it always gives the new client more time than an existing client because you need to get to know them. You need to understand their goals, where they're trying to go and understand them so that you can promise the transformation. So it usually comes with a consultation. Um, it usually comes with a series of treatments that existing clients don't always need because you're not trying to you know, revert back to their health or whatever. Um, and it usually comes with a longer like end service because I'm explaining the products that I use and I'm explaining like what I want you to do. And I was a curl specialist. So it was a lot of times my clients had never seen their curls before. So I then had to write down their regimen. Like, okay, so now I need you to cleanse your hair in 10 days. I know you're not going to want to do it. You're going to be like, it still looks good. Why would I do that? I get it. But we're trying to get your hair hydrated so that it can last even longer. I'm writing these things down on a regimen card, giving it to them. And then they get the follow-up emails a week, two weeks after. Um, and then when they come back in, there's usually one or two treatments that I need them to do again. So that's like continuing the client journey. And they always end up seeing the results. So then that keeps them a, a retaining client. So the pra the packages are important though. I understand why you didn't enjoy your birthday when you <laughs> retired. Because <laughs> when I tell you, I've had what I thought had been some decent stylists. None of that. I've had none of that, Jules. And I've had yeah. somebody else doing my hair since I was probably before 16. I remember somebody doing it at like nine, but I was a kid, so I wouldn't have had that conversation. I understand, yeah. Jules. Thank God you're still you're you're now coaching so that you can yes. at least pass that information on. And mm -hmm. so I'm curious, do you find many stylists are delivering the depth of service you just described? Or do you find that you're having to teach stylists to do this? I'm definitely teaching them. And I, you know, there's sometimes when I'm like super humble. And there are other times where I'm like, I did that. You did I, that. I was so um, 
I believed in consultation so much that I was at a salon that I loved for like, I think four years um, before I ended up opening my first salon suite. And I wanted to practice consultations. I don't want to take you to straight to the shampoo bowl. I don't even know who you are. I don't want to touch you yet. I want to talk to you, blah, blah. Um, but we didn't have the time for it at the salon that I was working at. And so I couldn't even like fully give the experience that I wanted. And I would post about it all the time. Therefore, people would come to me wanting that. But then I would have to, you know, kind of fall short and just talk to them for five minutes. I then knew like I need to create a business plan and a business model that that really is surrounding consultations and surrounding client journeys um, and, and actually helping women understand their hair so that they're not totally reliant on me. Like, yes, come to me. But when you're at home, I don't want you to be clueless. That helps me in no way. I need you to care for it at home, too. Um, so I made the decision to leave that salon and open my own salon. And granted, I was already booked by then because I mean, I was again, hustle mentality. I was posting Craigslist business cards at the mall. I was doing all those things. Um, but it, it, when I opened my salon suite, it allowed me to really dive deep into why consultations were so important, why nurturing your clients are important, why open, only opening your schedule for 60 days is important that I then saw a wave on social media of people doing the same thing, like other stylists doing the same thing, but not necessarily explaining it right or not totally diving into it or approaching it in the best way that I already knew. And then you can see who follows you. I already knew they got it from me, but I'm like, but come to me so I can actually tell you why I'm doing this. So you have the knowledge and then you're practicing it the right way. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that stylists gave consultations. I just knew that I needed to. And that that's what I just started posting all the time and practicing with my clients. One, thank you for your honesty. Two, I adore the fact that you just put your head down and hustled and worked just in whatever you did, because like you said, okay, I didn't even know consultations were a thing. You just knew that you wanted to do it. Again, this, this is why I go back to your creative. Then too, when you talked about, I didn't even know Zoom was. Like, I'm, I'm like, so I come from the corporate world. So yes, I know what Zoom was. But the fact that you just didn't know that you didn't let that stop you. Like, you're like, I'm going to figure it out. I feel like this is what I need to do. There's something virtual out here. And you just go and figure, you research it and then you implement it. It's one of the reasons why, Jules, you're on this platform right now. <laughs> a six-figure coach. Okay, so I could probably delve into stylist questions all day, but that would just be me being selfish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm gonna serve I'm gonna serve you guys because you all are my audience. I have to book some time with Jules on my own. Okay. <laughs> so I'm curious. Now you are two and a half years removed from the start of your business, or so. What do you do differently today to build your business? than you did when you first started? That is a really good question. Honestly, there is not much that's different. I, I, I always research, I always apply, I test it out and then I end up standardizing it and making like that the staple 
and then I audit it every three months and then I either try something new or I keep it going. But it 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 truly is, and this is why I say service providers, period, I can I can be aligned with because I'm still a service provider as a coach, which means there is not much that's actually changing except for my services are being delivered virtually. Um, and actually I've been I've done two in-person ones over the last week, but there isn't much that's changed. The nurturing, I had to create a client journey for my my coaching services. I had to um, like really dive into uh, relating to my target audience, how I'm going to do that and um, nurturing. Yeah, it's there isn't any, there isn't many different components except for the vehicle that I'm arriving in, which is virtual. Okay, fair enough. I think people hear client journey a lot and don't necessarily understand the steps that are included. Can you share from initial contact with someone through whatever the end looks like, what those steps are that you've set up in your client journey? Have you always dreamed of doing voiceover from home but have no idea how to get started? My name's Jesse Carroll and I put together the perfect course for you. It's called the VoiceOver Jumpstart course. It's a course that's designed to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover all the way to everything you need to know to be a working professional in only six weeks. So if you want more information, head over to jessicarrollcoaching.com and you can even book a one-on-one -on -one call with me if you want to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for listening to the Coach Up podcast and hope to see you in the course. Yes, yeah, so with a client, for one, my business is called Create the Mold. So I, I named it that because I want service providers to understand that you can create the business model that you truly want and that aligns with you and not necessarily just like steal someone else's or steal the industry standard. Um, when I go through my create the mold exercise where we're really building out your business model, I first have to understand the purpose, the vision, the values and how you relate to it. Because before we get to the client journey, I want to make sure your purpose is aligned with the step-by-step -step process you're going to take them on. The vision, you know, the, the end goal is aligned. The value for me, my value was consultations. I kind of have to figure out what your value is and then figure out how we're going to make the client journey. Um, but it's also how you relate. Because for me, I relate to clarity first, strategy second, implement third. And that's how I create a journey. First, I have to talk to you. I have to be clear on the vision, values, purpose, all that stuff like that. Then I create the strategy for you because I have to fill in the gaps that you don't know. Then I guide you through implementing it. So that's my one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's my client journey. As a stylist, I had to consult with you first and understand what your goals are. I had to fill in the gaps with what you were missing, with, with what hair actually needs to be healthy. And then I give you the regimen. And then I give you the treatment plan. And then like after that, I'm just kind of checking in with you, maintaining your hair and things like that um, until you reach your goal. And then we may start over and you may have a new goal, but it's more so about getting clear and not just going in and just creating services just based off of what you think people need. It's your framework, basically. How are you going to get people to whatever end goal you're saying that you can promise, which is first we do this, then you may go through this then this, then, you know, like, it's kind of like the step-by-step -step process. Um, and it starts off as a journey first, and then you build the services from that. So my journey was clarity, strategy, implementation. My actual services is you can book a clarity call. 
you can hire me as a, a coach of my VIP client. You can become a VIP client or you can take the DIY approach and, you know, do one of my classes in my digital library. But I first had to understand what my boom, 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 my framework was and then create the services that, that align with it. That's a unique explanation because sometimes I hear when I'm talking about client journey, it's post on social media, talk to them in DMs, send them a freebie or have them join the email list. Email list then nurtures, then eventually they buy. So it's really cool to hear you talk about more of the strategy behind it the clarity, the strategy, and the implementation and making sure that that's in place and then how that delves into your services because mm-hmm. that it's, it's a really much more strategic approach. Yeah, um, I don't, that's so interesting. I would not call the, the um, prior steps a client journey because they're not a client yet. I would always call like once they become a client, that's the journey I'm taking them on. Everything else, you're just, lead, it's like lead magnet stuff. It's like trying to attract the clients and trying to attract the target audience. I'm not saying it was wrong, but I just don't think of it that way. Oh, no, I like the distinction. Okay. This is why I love talking to amazing people who think differently. <laughs> you also said something that I think is so powerful, Jules. You talked about auditing your strat, your work. Mm-hmm. And you also talked about testing to see what stuff looks like. I'm going to make the assumption you can't test stuff that you're not tracking or you can't audit things that you're not tracking. So I know I can tell on myself, I don't do the best job of tracking. So I know there are people out there, not alone, who do things and then are like, okay, those are the results I got. But two months later, I'm like, I don't know what that's telling me because I didn't track anything. Can you talk about your process? Because you're the first time I've heard audit. And I really am curious about the whole process, including that. Yes. Well, first, you are an amazing interviewer because these questions are are awesome. They're not just general and like basic, like, okay, I answered that at the last podcast interview. They are very, very specific and dive deeper, which is what people want to hear because I heard this already, you know, this is unique. I love it. Okay, so auditing for one, it is in my nature. So, okay, because within my create the mold process, I have to figure out what your zone of genius is. And it's not always what you think it is sometimes. Sometimes it's like you thought this was a negative thing about you, but it actually is a good thing. For me, I am so detail oriented and like I have to organize everything. I thought that was a bad thing because it, it, there can be cons to that because my, my mind always goes to, we could have did that different. We could have blah, blah, but it actually ended up being my new career. Cause that's what I do as a coach. Um, whenever I, for one, research it um, and try to create some type of structure around it, I track everything. My, my friend laughs because she's like, you're the type of person that like would love to spend your Fridays with wine and creating spreadsheets. Yes. <laughs> Give me some wine and I will create a spreadsheet on the entire way that you want to deliver this offer to your clients. That's fun to me. Oh my, so- <laughs> oh my gracious. We need yes. people like you in the world. We do. 
she she was like, I'm gonna get you that mug. It has like Excel sheets on it, and it says, "I'm a freak in the sheets." I was like, that is so lame. But yes, I would love that. I would love that mug. Appropriate. Um, <laughs> so. Okay, so yes. So for instance, um, I created a workbook. It was a physical copy um, and it's called Business Beyond the Chair. So it was my 10-year career. Some stories are in there. It's pretty dope, but it's also actual strategies that I implemented because I was new to offering something like that. I mean, I've, I've created products for you to put on your hair. I've never created like a physical copy of a book. I tracked every sale that I got, every, um, like if they used a discount code, I tracked um, where they bought it from or whatever. Like I, I created a spreadsheet just to track who and how and what and how much I earned for the first three months of selling that workbook to see what worked. Um, another example is I tracked all of my first one-on-one um, -on -one calls, my stylist's calls. Like I tracked with the questions that they were asking, I tracked like the things I kept on saying, like frequent things that I kept on saying that I was like, that has to go into masterclass because I'm repeating myself with that. Um, I even track like some of my captions that people really resonate with. And I create emails or newsletters from those captions because clearly it hit home for somebody. But Google Sheets and like creating docs of what I'm doing and what I'm like I'm analyzing it at the same time, that helps me audit because aimlessly just like trying something and saying it worked or didn't work without actual analytics. It's like, girl, you don't know if it worked or not. You're just like, um, and I'll say that. this last thing. I don't appreciate <laughs> you talking about me right now, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll say this last thing. Um, my clients, when they first come to me, I'm not a CPA or an accountant or anything, but of course I've asked so many questions and like research, like whenever I have an accountant or a CPA. And so one of the first things that I do with my VIP clients is we do financial awareness. So I have to understand your numbers and I make them fill out the entire spreadsheet that I've created. And one side of that is give me your revenue for the entire year. So let's say we're in June now. I need you to go back to January and tell me how much you earned in January, February, blah, blah. So I always get like, why do you have to do that if we're just focusing on the now and the future? It's because I need to understand why did you make 9,000 in January, but 6,000 in March? What did you do different? Did you show up differently? Were you not feeling it? Like I want to track all of those things so that we know what works and so that we can kind of fuse it together with how you naturally are so that you can sustain your business. Because in December, I don't want to do anything. And it took me years to notice that I am semi-depressed if I have to work in December. So I had to create like um, a savings goal that I would save and put aside every month. So in December, I take the entire month off. But I had to like track that because I didn't know. Every December, I'm like, why do I feel like? And then my boyfriend was like, you're like this every December. I'm like, oh, I need to change that. <laughs> and you made a plan to do so. Yes. Love that. The What people don't want to do though, Jules, so I need you to speak to this, is take the time away from the doing of the business. So the working in the business versus working on the business. I think a lot of people feel like I don't have time to do 
the auditing. I don't have time to do the tracking because I need to be doing the email marketing. I need to be doing my client's hair. I, so how did you separate the time? How do you make that commitment for that time? I don't separate it. They are synonymous. Me doing and tracking, I do it at the same time. Really? Yeah. So like if I'm on my one-on-one calls, I have like uh, my mill note on the side. I'm tracking the questions that they're asking. I'm tracking like things that I'm saying. Uh, my financial sheet, I don't have to like spend hours doing it because I maintain my financial sheet every week. And then I put my new numbers on that month for my revenue at the end of every month. And then I start back. So it's like, I've kind of fused the things that I know matter because auditing your business, it really does matter. I fused it into the doing because you are doing. And to your point, you waste a lot of time, energy, and effort if you don't track, if you don't audit what you've done. So you can have your head down and feel like you're grinding. But if you're not tracking it and if you're not auditing it at the end of every quarter, I like to do it quarterly also, it's like you didn't work smarter. It wasn't more effective. It wasn't more efficient. You were just working. Okay. Again, I need- It's like, thanks. Right. (laughs) Talking about me. But I need to hear this. That's fine. (laughs) So you mentioned doing the things that are important, which means there are things that are not important or not as urgent maybe what are some of those things okay well I don't know if this is completely answering your question but one thing that I've noticed that I've had to shift my client's mindset is always trying to find the best whatever the best email marketing platform the best booking app the best well booking app is important but just the best based on someone else's um standards What I had to find and like really drill into my clients is that you have to learn the platform and like really learn it before you move on to another one. Because what wastes time, what's not as important is always chasing the best, especially when you are in business for yourself, you save a lot of time by mastering the platform you choose, not by hopping from one to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Um, I have a, my best friend, she's always telling me about a new app and I'd be like, cool. And she's like, I already know you're not going to, I'm not because this app is working perfectly fine. And this is what I'm going to keep. What I find with a lot of business owners is that we get overwhelmed because we're trying to keep up with what's better and what's new. But if what I'm doing is something I can actually sustain, the more new things I add to that, the less I'm actually able to sustain it unless you're tracking, unless you're auditing it and unless you truly do like that new platform. But there was a time when I was like, okay, I got to learn Zapier. I got to learn ConvertKit. I got to learn blah, blah. I got to learn ChatGPT. I got to learn everything. Now I'm like, is it truly going to make a difference or is it just something that I feel like I need to do to stay on top of what everybody else is doing? Because- Mm -hmm. I tried to to make a whole email series through ChatGPT and I was like, I really could have just created this myself. This was general as I don't know what. I, I could have just did this myself. They would have known that Jules wrote this because they would have had all my oomph in it. But yeah, I, I would say that trying to chase bigger, better, new, it wastes a lot of time. That's a great point because one thing that I think people do it in general, 
but definitely in business is we think if we are learning something new or if we are keeping up with what other people are doing or going to the newest training that we have heard 14 different times from 14 different people, we are doing something in our business. And none of that is actually revenue income producing activity. Yeah, you can get very paralyzed with a lot of new information. Yes, so I think that's a great point. What I, can I just say, this has just been such an informative, deep conversation. I just hey. want to say thank you. Oh, been so good. And thank you. I wasn't kidding in case I need to do a side stylist call to just get some info about what I should uh-huh. be <laughs> that out mm-hmm. Okay, ma'am, are you ready? Yes. For the quick fire round before you go questions. Okay, Jules, you might've already talked about it, but maybe not. What is one tool or app you would not do business without right now? Google Drive. I utilize their documents, their spreadsheets every day, all day. Um, And my new fave is Milanote. I know a lot of people love Notion, but I just, I tried it and I was like, this just isn't my visual style, but Milanote, oh my God, I have my CEO schedule on there. I have like, I track my client calls on it, like the notes for my client calls, who converted, like I love Milanote. And Milanote does what specifically? It is an organizational app type thing. Like it's desktop, but it's also on your phone. So you can create different folders, different boards, like just separate your entire life on there. Um, But I just love how it looks visually um, as opposed to like Notion. But I use it for my CEO schedule. So I literally have like first five hours, first three hours of the day is admin stuff. Second three hours is um, like client calls and then mommy stuff and blah, blah. But then I also track like each individual client's um, call until they convert. And if they convert, they move to Google Drive because you're you're not going to go on my Google Drive unless you convert it and you spend some money. Fair enough. You do block scheduling. Yes. Why? Um, as As a business owner, I feel like if you are not if you don't have self-discipline to gain control over your schedule in the way of either theme days, block scheduling, or it's some type of structure like that, you can very easily be working towards nothing. I had to make sure that I was like, okay, first couple of hours, emails, possibly post something on, on my stories, just like, hey, this is what I'm doing today. Do the podcast call with you. The second portion of the day is only client calls. I only need to focus on that because sometimes you'll forget to create notes or update their strategy or whatever like that. And the last portion of the day, I need to remember, I got to do my hair, my daughter's hair because she went swimming. I got to blah, blah. So just having it separated like that, it makes it less sporadic and more like I can accomplish that. And it has to have a little checkbox because if I can't check it, I don't feel accomplished. That's that detail-oriented brilliance that you have. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. And I don't know that I've heard theme days. I like that. Yeah, like Mondays is all admin. Tuesdays is all client calls. Wednesdays is all content, like things like that. That helps a lot of people um, get things accomplished. Okay, I may have to revisit. 
Okay, I, I may have to get some clarity and then create a strategy that I will then implement. Yeah. Okay, Jules, what tool do you use to collect payments from your clients? So I am married to Stripe. We go together right. and it's just what it is. That's right. This is a committed <laughs> relationship. Okay. Yes. What has been the most effective method for you in finding and securing new clients? You know, I am a believer that referrals is still like the number one way people who hear about you convert. I still think it's more than social media. I, most of the, um, Clients that I have when I started my VIP coaching, instead of like just one-off calls, most of my VIP clients have come from a referral and not that they just found me on social media. So I still think that in the service industry world, people want to hear like an actual testimony, an actual review, an actual experience before they um, decide to invest. Um, but yeah, what was your question exactly? Yeah, no, you answered it. Most effective okay. method. Your most effective method for finding clients. Yeah, it's doing my job well enough to get a referral. That's that's most effective. Period. Okay. What tool do you use to set up your client meetings? Um, Calendly. Okay. What one thing, Jules, do you attribute the most weight to in scaling your business to six figures? It's been self-discipline truly having the intention to um, provide a solution. And I know these seem vague, but they're very important. And auditing. I think if I did not audit, I mean, since back when I had a salon, if I did not audit every quarter, I would have easily run my business to the ground and thought that I was doing great and really wasn't doing great. I have like a clear yes, continue, no, like purge this because of auditing. The reason that caught my attention is because it reminded me of something I learned in corporate America, the start, stop, continue. And your auditing allows you to say, this is working and I can see the results. I will continue this. This is not working, or even if it is working, but it's not delivering the results that I want at the level that I need for the amount of time I'm investing or the return on investment I was looking for, we stop it. And then if you realize in that process, there's something new to start or try, you start it. And so again, it goes back to that detail tracking auditing being so important. And again, thank you for saying auditing because that's not, it's the yeah. first and said and so important. And it also, last thing, it also calls you out because we don't have a boss. So if you don't have a boss and you don't get evaluated from like a manager or something like that, you can just lie to yourself and say, I'm doing great. But your audit really lets you know, like you aren't doing good or you could have done better, but you just did not drive this full force. So auditing helps me check myself. Like I could have just said that this course doesn't work, but it does work. I just stopped posting about about it so I need to post more about it super good okay last question the one book or podcast you would recommend as an absolute must to consume so I I'm weird about stuff like this like when people are like what's your favorite movie what's your favorite I don't 
I don't religiously listen to any podcasts and I haven't finished a book since high school. I'm just, hey, I'm just being honest. I have started so many books and I, I vividly, oh, no, 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 I'm lying. I'm lying, I'm lying. I did finish The Science of Black Hair. That's what got me into speaking and doing consultations and things like that. I did finish that book. Um, but after that, and that was like when I was like 23, I have not finished a book in a long time. What I will say is, if I can give a different answer, yeah. I am very intentional with what I curate on my social media, what I expose myself to. Like, I I know that the second you watch something on TikTok, your algorithm will change and then that will be all you get. I'm very specific with who I follow and what I watch and what I consume and what I research and things like that, because I know that my mind has to consistently be stimulated with positive and effective X, Y, and Z. So mm -hmm. like last year or a little bit over last year, I was single for the first time in six years. So I was like, I could consume a whole bunch of content about how guys are trash, but I didn't. <laughs> what I did was I made sure that I curated how to have a successful marriage, how to have a long lasting, healthy relationship. Like it's, I think it's what you curate your mind and you do not have to be married to any one thing. Um, but on the flip side of that, I do think it's important for you to be mindful that a lot of knowledge from a lot of different places it really can stifle you and keep you like a little stagnant, a little paralyzed. So with that caveat in mind too. That was a great answer. I'm curious, what is your criteria for when you're looking for who to follow on social media? If they actually have a strategy, because again, I'm from Atlanta. I'm from New Jersey, but I've lived here so long that I know people finesse. I know that you're just talking about something you just Googled. So it takes me a while to see a, if all people talk about is content, to me, that can be a red flag because that is not necessarily a business strategy or it's not necessarily something that's always sustainable because content changes. Um, for two, I really try to look for their integrity. Like, do they really care or do they really show up in a professional way? Do they really deliver? And three, if they're positive, because I don't really do the whole like talking at me, yelling at me, pointing out everything that I'm like doing wrong. And I'm just, the second you start talking loud, I'm scrolling because I just can't deal with the pressure. <laughs> I will not be subjected to this. I will not. I just yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Jules, again, I can't say how much this has been so enjoyable. Um, And just so y'all know, like, Jules was referred to me, but I believe I had already seen you and Jules is busy and successful. And so Jules won't be having time to be checking all random messages from people that she doesn't know. And as you all just heard, right, she's curating what she's taking in. So I was like, I really like her. I want to work with her. So when I tell you this is just like a, it's like a nice little dream coming Aww. to reality that I get to interview you. So thank you for this time. Okay, thank so tell people how they can reach out to you, work with you, connect with you, and find you. So on Instagram, it's Jules Dropping Jules. Um, I think I'm going to keep that name forever because I think it's so cute. It is cute. <laughs> and um, I also have a website. It's createthemold.com. That's really everything. I think, I, I believe I'm even Jules dropping Jules on TikTok, which I'm trying to get more into. 
Um, and hopefully soon I'll be more consistent on YouTube. And I'm gonna try. <laughs> In due time, it will come. Yes. yes. It will. Again, thank you for being here. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone else, with another fellow entrepreneur, a friend who you know needs to hear this message. Also, if you've enjoyed listening to the Coach Up Podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you get notification every time a new episode comes out. And if you would be so kind as to make sure that you go follow me at The Connection Collaborator on Instagram or LinkedIn at LinkedIn forward slash Kanisha Hart, then I would be delighted to connect with you, hear from you and hear your feedback on how the Coach Up podcast is helping you in your business. Again, as always, thanks for being a part of the Coach Up podcast. We will see you on the next episode.